If you have your Bibles, take them this morning and turn with me, if you will, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. I'm going to speak this morning of the subject of walk worthily and walk carefully. Walk worthily and walk carefully. I have two types of exercise I prefer to do. I, I have an elliptical of my home. I have it in a workout room where I have a weight bench, a cable pull-down machine, a life cycle my wife likes, uh, and a bench press. And in front of that elliptical, I have a television where I can watch Christian stations like ESPN. And for those of you who did not know that was a Christian station, that stands for Every Spiritual Person Network. Okay, that's ESPN. Uh, I'm a sports fan. I like sports. When I'm on the road, I will try to use elliptical and maybe catch up the news or sports news, things like that. Sometimes, especially during COVID, every workout room was uh, shut down, even in the free state of Texas. We were scheduled to be on the West Coast, uh, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and with COVID, it was all shut down. And so we went to Texas. First time I ate in a restaurant from March till uh, May was like May 26 was at a Cracker Barrel. How about an amen for Cracker Barrel? In Albuquerque, uh, it was uh, Amarillo, Texas, and it was great. I said, this is great. This is what it used to be like. Well, COVID was a difficult time. It was so strange. I was telling a class recently, uh, this is my 45th year of teaching in Bible colleges, but it was the first time I was there during the school year. There's no students there. I still came to work every day and worked. We segued. We put everything online and we were able to salvage the semester. But my schedule was so strange, especially on weekends. Usually on a weekend, I go to men's prayer Saturday morning. I go soul winning Saturday morning. Saturday afternoon, I'll do personal things and whatever I need. Sunday morning, men's prayer, uh, 7.45, Sunday school, church, church, you know, and just go right through the schedule. With COVID, it was different. There was no prayer. There was no soul winning. There was no Sunday school. There was just one church service online. Now, the first week, I was loving it. I think I watched five different church services, places I'd never go. You go, this is great. I've watched all these different preachers. About the second or third week, I'm going, I'd watch Lancaster, of course, but I had a lot of time. So something I've enjoyed doing since I was probably 19 or 20, I like to walk and read. And I know you should listen to audible books or things like that, but I have a regular book in my hand, and I walk. I have a five-mile path from my house, Many weekends between March and May, I was walking 30 miles a weekend, 15 miles on Saturday, 15 miles on Sunday, because I had lots of time all of a sudden, and uh, it was all good. One time I kind of brushed out that year, I kind of hit my shit on a car, I wasn't watching quite carefully enough, but I had a problem during COVID. As I was walking along, Going down the street, I walk in the street, it's a very wide street uh, on 35th, go all the way down to L, over down, and then back to my house, five miles and two houses, exactly right. I was walking along, all of a sudden, I crashed to the ground. I broke my glasses, scraped my forehead, road rash on the blacktop, my hands, uh, actually I hit my hands this way, scraped all along the arm, both my knees are bleeding, I'm laying there in the street. I thought I'd knock the wind out of myself. I didn't. I put my arm under myself and I actually broke three ribs. I'm laying there in the street, kind of like Moby Dick on the beach, you know. <laughs> and I, I was hurting. I, I, I tried to get my breath, not knowing it was my ribs. I remember talking to Dr. Crabb. He said, I, I had to sleep in a recliner for about three weeks. And uh, I'm laying there and a lady pulled over. She says, can I help you? I said, if you just help me get up. I said, I am, I'm hurting here. 
And uh, of course, scalp wounds bleed a lot. Uh, you have thin skin on your forehead, your hands, your shins, top of your feet. And I rolled over because I was face first, sat up. I said, oh, I've got this. I've got it. She said, no, I've got you. And she was a larger person. If I call someone larger, they're larger. And uh, <laughs> she says, she says, I've got you. And she grabbed my hand, put her feet against me, and she just popped me up. Oh, it was incredible. She actually offered to take me home. She was by herself. I said, no. I said, I need to walk this off because uh, she was by herself. I'm not going to get a car alone with a lady. It's not my wife. And so I started walking home. I was exactly about one mile and 100 yards from my house. But I was hurting. And by now, blood literally was running from my forehead down to my chin. I, kind of, I must have been wobbly a little bit. I wasn't reading then. I can promise you that. And two girls pulled up next to me. They said, are you okay? I said, I'm not. I said, there was two of them. I said, would you mind giving me a ride home? And they said, okay. But their car was really, really small. You might notice I drive a really big truck, okay? I said, I hate to ask you this, but can I sit in the front seat? And the lady said, sure. She got, well, they were, it was only a mile from home. I was almost home. I said, you ladies are like angels unaware. Well, that's a Bible phrase. They had no idea. They're looking at me like, what? I said, that's from the Bible. So you may be asking yourself, Dr. R, what happened? How'd you fall down like that? Did you trip? No. I did do that once on soul winning with the tour group. You know what happened, friends? I stepped on a pine cone. Not a big pine cone. A pine cone about this big. Maybe a little smaller. It was like a ball bearing. And when my foot went shooting back, I went shooting down. It's interesting, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, it says this. It says, beware the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. I still walk and read, but I can promise you I'm always looking about 100 feet, 200 feet ahead. And if I see a pine cone, I kick it hard and far <laughs> because it's a part of the family of the guy that hurt me. All right? So I want to share with you this morning how to walk carefully and worthily. Ephesians chapter 5, follow along with me if you will, beginning in verse number 8. The Bible says this, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Listen to this phrase, listen carefully. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. If people look at you, walk. They say, that's a children of light. That's a child of light. They're obviously a Christian. And we're going to emphasize that a lot today. I hope you walk differently than the people at work. I regret that I was not the witness I should have been in college. But I did have a good testimony. They called me Mark the Baptist. Now, I sinned because I didn't witness to people. I made excuses. Our church is 20 miles away. I didn't have a car. But I hope we walk as children of light. Listen to the music that children of light should listen to. Tell the jokes that children of light should tell. Moving on. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. By the way, that's why we don't joke about sin. The Bible says fools make a mock of sin. Homosexuality is not funny. It's an abomination. You live in a horrific time where people are accepting and rejoicing in things that God hates. Don't laugh at it, right? 
Not even good to speak of those things which are done in secret, the Bible says. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest his light, wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Friends, you are walking right now. Your life is a walk. I want to challenge you today to walk with watchfulness and with worthiness. Worthy of the name which is attached to you. Worthy of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy, and we are to reflect his name. It's interesting that the Bible says that Christ is the light of the world, that we are lights. We're not supposed to hide our light. We're supposed to let our light shine. And can I tell you, friend, when you don't let your light shine, it can cause disaster for other people. It may make an eternal impact on their life. I like to read history. I read about a lighthouse keeper in New England many years ago that his job was to keep the light burning. And he had a giant oil tank that was used to keep that light burning. Well, one day someone came along. It was a widow. And she said, if I could just have a gallon or so of oil, it would help have some heat in our house. And he gave that widow some oil and helped her out. And not long after that, and a farmer needed some oil for a lamp so he could read. And the man said, well, I could give you some oil for your lamp. And near the end of the month, uh, a young boy needed some oil for something, and he gave it to them. And all was going well till literally the last day or two of the month. And that oil tank ran dry. And the lighthouse went dark. Literally, the night it went dark, three ships crashed. And over 100 lives were lost. Of course there was an inquiry. The lighthouse keepers called in and said, you had enough oil. What happened? He told them. He had good reasons why he'd given out some of that oil. And the official said, that's no excuse. You had one job. That was to keep that light burning. You didn't keep the light burning. And ladies and gentlemen, we are to be a burning light for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to reflect that light. Don't let your light darken. Don't let it go off. Light can't coexist with darkness. Many years ago, many years ago, I had the chance to visit with the Carlsbad Caverns, and I'll never forget going deep down into that cavern, and the man said, we're going to show you what utter darkness is like. And they turned off the electric lights. He says, now try to see the hand in front of your face. And I remember taking my hand and putting it in front of my face and touching my nose, I can see nothing. He goes, that is utter darkness. And then he struck a match, like a wooden match. You could hear it. And that match cast out darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, we're supposed to cast out darkness. Are we bringing light to wherever God places us? In our family, in our place of work, in our neighborhood. That's what God wants. So if we're going to walk worthily, we're going to walk carefully, we need to do a few things here this morning. Number one, let me challenge you to watch what you love. To watch what you love. I don't know what you love. Now I've got friends, I know different things they like. Uh, I've got some friends who love the Dallas Mavericks, some who love uh, the Los Angeles Rams, uh, some who love their favorite team. By the way, you can like things in this world, but what is it that you love? What is it that you love? Your close friends know. Uh, what is it that you're always talking about? I'll put it this way, in a personal way, what's always on your mind? 
Some people, it's a team. Some people, it's a sport. Do you know someone who loves, loves, loves to go hunting? It's not my cup of tea, but some people love that. Some people love golf with a passion. That's a big thing to them. Different people love different things. When I was a little boy, I was out soldiering with my dad, and we went to a man's house, and the man said, well, Pastor, he said, you won't see me till January. My dad said, well, are you going to be working out of town? He says, no. He goes, it's football season. Wow. I was only eight or nine, but I remember that. We got out to the sidewalk, just coming down his sidewalk where it teed. My dad said, son, that man has an idol. He has an idol. It's the Los Angeles Rams. What is it that we love? So we need to be very careful. Watch what you love. Watch what you love. A few years ago, the Truman Library in Independence, Missouri, revealed that they discovered 1,300 letters written by President Harry Truman to his wife, Bess Truman. Every day they were apart, he'd write her a letter. Wow. I think maybe you loved her. She would often go home to her beloved Independence, Missouri. He'd write her every time. There's a book, I think it's in our library because I gave it. It's called Letters from Ronnie to Nancy. It's letters between Ron Reagan and Nancy Reagan. They loved each other. They had time for each other. Do people know you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Do your roommates know you have time for him? You're talking to him. You're walking with him. Watch what you love. Now, the scholars were looking at those letters, looking for some new light on maybe historical or political diplomacy. But for my part, I was just impressed by the fact that every time he was away with his wife, from his wife, he'd write her a letter. Let me give you a little thought this morning. We have time for that which is important to us. Did you have time for Jesus this morning? Did you have time this week to reach in your pocket, take out a gospel track and tell someone the good news of the gospel? By the way, who are the people who give out tracks? Those who carry them. Those who carry them. Do we have time for that? It's amazing the things we have time for. How much time do we have for Instagram or Facebook or TikTok? Do we have time for things that are important? If you're going to walk worthily, you have to watch what you love. The Bible says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Proving. You prove yourself. I know a little bit about cooking and I helped run a kitchen for six years and I see people prove themselves. Sometimes they'll say, I know how to cook, but they prove very quickly they don't know how to cook. One of the ways you find out if a knife is sharp, you could take a butcher knife and you sharpen it in steel and you could hear it on your apron just the sound of it sharp. I'll never get a guy see me do that. He went like this with a knife, cutting through his apron, through his pants, and through his leg. That was his last day with us. <laughs> he proved you knew nothing about that. Can I say this? Let's prove we know something about the Christian walk. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. First Thessalonians says that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. The proving, well, we're supposed to bear fruit. The Bible says a good tree brings forth good fruit. God's Word says, I have commanded you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I got a text last week from a man named Dave Payne. It was a blessing, just out of nowhere. I still write him because he's my son of the faith. He lives in Tennessee now. 
He said, 15 years ago last week, my son and I went to his house and led him to Christ. He's special to me. You know what, folks? We want you to have fruit that remains. Fruit that remains. A good tree brings forth good fruit. Do you have fruit in your life? There's different kinds of fruit. But I'll tell you this, the Bible says this, a tree that doesn't bear fruit is good for nothing but to be cut down and cast in the fire. Does God look at your life and see fruit? By the way, does he always see fruit in my life? No, we need to work at that. We need to work at that. It's a season to bear fruit. We need to sow seed, sow a lot of seed. I know some seed falls on thorny ground, some on shallow ground, some on hard ground, but some seed falls on good ground. Keep sowing the seed. Keep handing out tracts. You won't know the result of that till you get to heaven. So it's proving, as a, as a children of God, we should reflect the character of God. A gentleman who served in a church I served at back from 1976 to 1990 when I moved to that area was the visitation pastor. His name was John Colston. John Colston passed away last year. I got the yellow pages, called his wife, who still plays the organ of that church. I said, I want to tell you a story about your husband. And then I called his pastor. I said, I'm going to give you an illustration for your sermon. I said, it goes back, way back in the early 1980s. We had a great visitor at our campus. His name was Dr. R.G. Lee. R.G. Lee was a phenomenal preacher. He preached one sermon. That sermon was called Payday Sunday. He preached it over 3,000 times. And in the preaching of that sermon, over one million people trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He pastored the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee that was pastored two pastors later by the great Adrian Rogers. We was visiting our campus. We were celebrating his 90th birthday. Well, I was teaching classes in the morning as I have done for 45 years now, and, but I was supposed to host him for lunch and give him a tour in the afternoon. Brother Colston had him in the morning. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Chapel finished, I went over to Brother Colston. I was young and probably, oh my goodness, 23, 24 years of age. I said, Dr. Lee, he was short, wore white suits. I said, Dr. Lee, I said, was Brother Colston good to you? He had a very strong, so he said, sir. He goes, that man reminds me of Jesus. I'll never forget that. Friends, do we remind anyone of Jesus? His pastor, Pastor Wilkins, told that story at his funeral. What a thing to be said about someone, that he reminds someone of Jesus. That, my friends, is good fruit. That's the way it ought to be. So there's a proving there. He proved himself. And then there's a pleasing. We have a master to please. A master to please. I have an earthly master, Pastor Paul Chapel. I've now worked for him for 27 years. And I want him to be happy with me. We're friends. We're co-laborers. I've used the verse to him often. It said about Solomon, happy are these thy men that gather around thee. It's been the best place I've served in my life. While there's no perfect place, it's been a great place. But Paul said this in Galatians. He says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I get pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. My friends, we have to seek to please God. The Bible tells about people who please God. Enoch, <laughs> he had the testimony, the Bible says, that he pleased God. What a statement. He pleased God. And I, I say this to myself. 
I know I don't always do that, but today's the first day of the rest of our life. Let's seek to please him today. I said in Genesis class this morning, remember, we were created for two things, to walk with God and work for God. When we're walking with God and working for God, we're pleasing God. That's why he created us. Enoch, he pleased God. How about the testimony of Abraham? It says he was a friend of God. God was willing to dwell with him in his tent. He was at home there. Suffice to say, he did not go on to Sodom to dwell down there with Lot. We think of Daniel. Do you think he pleased God when he faithfully prayed? As the Bible says, as he did aforetime, that pleased God. It pleases God when we do the things we're commanded to do. When we walk with him, when we talk with him. Joseph pleased God when he resisted temptation. Paul pleased God when he was faithful to death. And our greatest example, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, in the words of the Heavenly Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let's seek to please Him. The songwriter said it well, O to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, O to be like Thee, pure as Thou art. He pleased God. And we ought to seek to do the same thing. Now, what happens though is we have little foxes that get in. Thank the Lord we don't deal with a lot of drug abuse at West Coast. Never known of a student here that ever had a problem with meth. Hopefully no problems with opiates, alcohol. But it wasn't a big pine cone that made me fall. It was a little pine cone. A man walked all the way from Los Angeles to New York. What a trek. Over 2,300 miles and someone asked him about that walk. He said, what was it like? He said, well, was the hard time crossing the Rocky Mountains? He said, no. Was the hardest time walking across the deserts? He said, no. He said, the thing that came closest to defeating me was the sand in my shoes. Little foxes. Walk carefully and walk worthily. So we need to, first of all, watch what we leave. Secondly, we need to watch what we loathe. Loathe is a word I might have to define for you. It's something we dislike, we don't like, we hate. The Bible says that have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Hey, friends, stand up, stand up for Jesus, these soldiers of the cross. Let's stand up for what's right. Let's stand up for the name of Jesus. Let's reprove that which is wrong. Don't just go along with it. Let's stand up for it. Let's repudiate it. Let's reprove it. It's God's plan for us to repudiate and to reject sin. Probably the greatest illustration, well, there's many illustrations of the Bible, but how about John the Baptist? He illustrated this by calling out the sin of Herod Antipas and his dalliance is stealing his brother Philip's wife. Her name was Herodias. He thought he could get away with it. And John the Baptist called it what it was. By the way, it cost him something. It cost him his head. But he stood up for something. Are you going to stand up for what's right? Will you stand up for right when someone starts to say the wrong thing? The wrong joke? 
start singing the wrong song, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Watch what you loathe. Fools make a mock of sin. Fools make a mock of sin. So if we're going to walk carefully and walk worthily, we have to watch what we love. We have to watch what we loathe. By the way, it'd be a good thing to love what Jesus loves and to hate what Jesus loves. We have two Chinese boys who live with us. Most of you know that. And we share with them something from Proverbs every night. So right now I'm doing 10 verses from Proverbs and I'm teaching them the themes of each of the books of the Bible. And uh, last night with the Proverbs of the day, we talked about things that God hates. These six things that the Lord hates, a seven abomination, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. And then in the same passage, it comes back and mentions lying again. Let's loathe lying because God hates it. God is truth. In him there's no shadow of turning. Satan's the father of lies. God is holy, so let's loathe impurity. Let's loathe what this world loves. It's amazing to me that three of the biggest sins in our world today that cause great grief and great problems are pornography, drugs, and gambling. And they're all legal, but not according to God's book. So we need to hate what God hates. We need to loathe what God loathes. We are trading in here Christian leaders, right? People who stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldier of the cross. People need to stand up for that which is right. Love that which is good and hate that which is evil. If we do that, without a doubt, God will be pleased with us. So we see things that we need to watch what we love. We need to watch what we loathe. And remember that people are watching you at all times. But then let me ask you to do this. Watch what you reprove. Reprove. We are called to reprove. We are called to show what is wrong in the light of the Scripture. Call it out. Say, don't talk that way. By the way, it might be someone who's just complaining in your room. I think that clearly runs contrary to Scripture that says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I think that runs contrary to Scripture. It says in Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice the Lord always. <coughs> and again, I say rejoice. In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. It's not easy. All right? By the way, it's not natural and the Bible says, a natural man receiveth not the things of God, but it is spiritual. Would your roommate say that you were a thankful person? That person's just thankful. They're just thankful. I've traveled for 27 years from West Coast Baptist College. I'm on the road about 100 days a year. I was in over 100 churches last year. I have three rules for the people in my groups. Number one, they got to be on time. Number two, they got to read their Bible every day. And number three, no griping. God hates murmuring and complaining. By the way, friends, he killed more people for it in the Old Testament than he did for idolatry. So let's hate what God hates and let's love what God loves. So let's reprove it. The roommates complain, let's not do that. Let's, let's pray for that person. Hey, we've got a lot to be thankful for. 
I realized how many were thankful for blue skies today and no rain. We had a lot of rain the last couple of days. California needed it. I'll tell you one thing. I'm thankful, and you're going to be thankful because we're going to have an awesome poppy explosion in the spring. There will be a super bloom because of all that rain. And you're going to say, man, that was worth it. That was awesome. You know. Now, I'm thankful. I was over by the Student Life Center this morning, about 6.20 this morning. There was a beautiful sunrise this morning. It was beautiful. I'm thankful for that. I didn't see a sunrise the last couple of days. All I saw was clouds and rain. But are we going to be complaining or are we going to be thanking? So be careful what you're reproving. Be careful. Watch for that. Things that are reproved, things that are made manifest by the light. I grew up in Southern California, and while we have our problems here, some of our problems did not include rats and roaches. I went to Chicago, and I found out about rats. They literally put bait in the alleys for rats. Well, I'd never seen a rat, quite honestly. And one of my friends, who's a pastor this day, said, hey, we got rats in the basement of our restaurant. Lots of them. You want to come see them? I said, sure. So he said, it was Obia's restaurant in Highland, Indiana. So he went over there one night. He got a chicken leg out of the cooler. He goes, watch this. He turned all the lights off. He threw that chicken leg out there in the middle of the floor. And I could literally hear the scratch of the claws going across the floor. He said, now watch this. He flipped on the light, and there were all these rats around the chicken, and they were scattering for the darkness. The light reproved them. Didn't kill them, but it got them out of there. By the way, if you are living a light of life, it'll drive certain things away from you. People aren't going to say certain things around you. Because they know that you're trying to live the right kind of life. That you don't like things that are of this world. Because the Bible says we are in the world but not of the world. So we need to watch what we loathe. There was a story told about a man who was trying to save a city that was very, very wicked. And you could visualize this in a Sodom or someplace like this. And he kept crying out and trying to change the people. They ignored him. And he said, why, why are you bothering everybody? You're not going to change them. He said, maybe I can't. He goes, but I'm yelling and screaming because I don't want them to change me. Don't just say, oh, it's okay. No, most of what's going on in the world is not okay. So we need to loathe the things that God loves. Watch what you loathe. The greatest light in our life is the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us that it will prove, it will correct, it will instruct the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We're called to be the sons of God. We're called to be co-laborers together with God. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. So I challenge you today, will you walk worthy of that which you're called to do? Our lives will reveal our heart, our beliefs. They will be acted out in our behavior in our behavior. So I challenge you today, my friend. I ask you today. I was writing this message a week ago Saturday. I was sitting in my office on a Saturday afternoon. And so many thoughts came to my mind. And I just, I, I prayed at that very moment. I said, Lord, help me to walk worthy. Help me to walk carefully. Folks, we don't want you to fall out of ministry. All right? So be on guard. 
Why do we be, be in guard? Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, like a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. So while I am watching when I walk today for a little pine cone or a big pine cone, and I kick it out of the way because I don't want to fall again, be sober. Be vigilant. Watch what you're doing. Alexander the Great was a man who conquered the known world by the age of 30. One night he found himself unable to sleep and he began to walk through his troops and he kept walking and saw people resting and he decided to go around and check in some of the centuries. Centuries have an important job. They're warning. And he came upon a century that was asleep. He kicked him awake. That was the incredibly serious, serious thing. In fact, one of the things Romans did, he was Greek, but Romans did, was they would take a century, pour oil on him, and light him on fire. Because that could cause the death of everyone else. He roused him, he said, soldiers, you know what the response is for a person who falls asleep on guard duty? And the man said, yes, sir. Alexander said, what is your name? He said, my name is Alexander, sir. Alexander said, what is your name? He said, my name is Alexander. And then he almost shouted, he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Alexander. And Alexander looked at him and said this. He said, either change your name or change your conduct. Ladies and gentlemen, we are called Christians. We are called Christians. People of the way. That's what the early Christians were called. If you were to go to Israel today, the Hebrew word for way is derek. It looks like three sevens. And on any highway side, you'll see derek Tel Aviv, derek Jerusalem, derek the way to Jerusalem. We're to be people of the way. We bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you guys. We pray for you. And we want you to serve God. And it is our prayer for you and for me that we will walk worthily and we'll walk carefully. Remember whose name you bear.